Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is and always will be our top priority. Asheville Regional Airport. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru. Offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus built with the zero landfill promise. All waste is recycled or reused with more at PrestigeSubaru.com. Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours. Discover Asheville's scenic beauty and intriguing history along with a local handcrafted beverage this winter while you cozy up on top of award-winning rooftop bars. Tours offered daily year-round with safety protocols followed on every tour and transportation is provided. Visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com and by romanticashville.com. Create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Plan your next getaway to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains by visiting romanticashville.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball. Welcome to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website, that's speakingoftravel.net, on pretty much all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app, Buzzsprout, Pandora, and Amazon. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive travel news, helpful tips, and links to travel stories about adventure, misadventure, and awesome travel experiences. Speaking of adventures, some of my most memorable travel experiences have been on a train. There's nothing like a scenic train ride to feel like you're really on a vacation. Train travel is pretty cost-effective, and there's just something refreshingly traditional about taking a train, especially if you're traveling over a long distance. And talk about relaxing. Taking the train is one of the least stressful forms of transportation out there. Someone else does the driving, and you can sit back and read a good book, put on your headphones and listen to Speaking of Travel, or simply enjoy the scenery. Well, my guest today is Bill McClement. He's a longtime train enthusiast and a longtime radio announcer and newsman. Now that he's semi-retired, he volunteers as a passenger train host with the North Carolina Train Host Association, which is a group of ambassadors who ride state-supported Amtrak trains all within the state of North Carolina. And Bill, it is such a pleasure to have you on Speaking of Travel. Uh, it's good to talk to you again, Marilyn, too, and uh, about something that uh, I'm very passionate about. Well, I know you've been a big train lover for a long time. I loved our show that we did when you were taking people by train to baseball games. I bet you really miss that, don't you? Yeah, I really do, yeah. Uh, but uh, I still take the train once in a while. 
in the pandemic, uh, there's uh, there's obviously fewer people traveling that way, and there, but there are safeguards in place uh, for COVID-19, and we can get into that uh, as we discuss this today. Well, I know it's a very exciting time because Amtrak is, I'm speaking here like somebody who's been around for a long time, but come on, 50 years of train travel with Amtrak? May 1st, 1971, 50 years ago. Congress established uh, the creation of Amtrak because train companies in the in the country were were trying to get out of the passenger train business. It was not as lucrative as the you know as as hauling freight. It was also aided by, uh, or I, I I should say not aided by, but uh, made more necessary by the collapse of the giant Penn Central Railroad, which was a, a recent merger of the Pennsylvania and the New York Central, which carried a majority of the passengers in the entire northeast part of the United States. So Amtrak was created May 1st, 1971. Basically, it created a national passenger railroad corporation. Amtrak then purchased equipment, i.e. locomotives and uh, train cars, uh, from the freight railroads. The freight railroads still have a commitment, too, because uh, the Amtrak trains operate on mostly tracks that are owned and operated by the freight companies. And that is uh, true to this day uh, for a big majority of the Amtrak system across the country. That is really fascinating. You know, I grew up just around trains a lot because I grew up in Washington, D.C., so it was a central hub to just get on a train and go to New York or just about any place, and my family loved to travel by train, and my brother had train sets, you know, Lionel train sets, and it just goes back to a place and a time of uh, just feel good, and I want to talk about that now because I know that there's some changes that have happened. Give us a little idea about some of those safeguards that you had talked about. Well, you know, if you if you haven't been in a train and either ever or in a long time, the cabin is 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 more spacious than an aircraft cabin. So when you're flying, a lot of times you see um seat rows that have three seats on each side of the aisle. Well, on Amtrak trains, there are two seats on each side of the aisle. And and basically, the way they're distancing passengers these days, first of all, everybody has to wear a mask, not only on the train, but also in the stations for uh, COVID-19 precautions. But the conductors and the train crew are seating people in the window seats, but they're leaving the two aisle seats open. So you've got that natural distance between one window seat and another. Obviously, that means the capacity of each car is reduced. It actually reduced by 75%, but it's in order to keep the distances. But fewer people are traveling now. And as we get through the pandemic, hopefully a little bit uh, later this year, that those passenger numbers will start to climb again. But because they have been down the past year, but pre-pandemic, pandemic uh, passenger levels, including here in the state of North Carolina, which I know we'll get to, have been going up very at a very healthy rate the last few years. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, Bill, about the North Carolina. Are these state-supported trains that run in North Carolina? But you see, a lot of people don't realize that there is passenger train service through North Carolina, primarily because here in the Asheville area, there there is none. We're farther away from a, any uh, passenger train service, but a lot of the parts of the central and eastern parts of the state uh, see many uh, many trains come through. Uh, there are a number of long-distance trains, i.e. trains that last more than 24 hours, that run through the state. 
pre-pandemic, they were running every single day. Now, the long-distance trains are just running three days a week now uh, during COVID, but um, the government relief uh, package that may be coming through Congress and signed by the president, perhaps, here in the next couple of weeks could uh, restore service to seven days a week on those long-distance trains. The long-distance trains are the Crescent, which runs between New York and New Orleans, and that is a, a train that comes right through the center of North Carolina with stops in Greensboro, High Point. Salisbury and Charlotte and Gastonia before heading down to Greenville and Spartanburg, eventually Atlanta, Birmingham, and down to New Orleans. There's also two trains that run between New York and Miami, the Silver Star and the Silver Meteor. They run down uh, a path uh, in the eastern part of the state, and their stops include cities such as um, Rocky Mount, Fayetteville, Raleigh, Cary, Southern Pines, and Hamlet. And those trains uh, come down uh, three days a week now, but uh, they were once-a-day service. And then there's another uh, long-distance train that runs between New York and Savannah, the Palmetto. And it runs pretty much the same path as the... uh, as the Silver Meteor, which uh, stops in Rocky Mount and Fayetteville going through North Carolina. But, you know, the other thing that the state-supported trains uh, that are offered, there is one daily train, and it is a daily train, the Carolinian, that runs between Charlotte and New York City every single day. And the southbound runs from New York City to Charlotte every single day. That is state-supported. The the state of North Carolina began uh, supporting that train 30 years ago, it's received bipartisan support from two governors, uh, one Republican and one Democrat. Jim Martin and Jim Hunt were basically uh, the governors that uh, were responsible for helping with legislative approval to uh, approve those that route. And the Carolinian has uh, had good ridership over the years. It makes a number of stops in North Carolina. The state of North Carolina pays the bill to operate the train within the state of North Carolina. Amtrak picks up the tab for the rest of the journey between New York and the state of North Carolina. But it runs basically a path kind of along the I-85 corridor. It runs from Charlotte, uh, Kannapolis, Salisbury, High Point, Greensboro, Burlington, Durham, Cary, Raleigh, and then it heads east of Raleigh to Selma, Wilson and Rocky Mountain. That's the last stop in North Carolina before the train turns north and heads to New York. So the state of North Carolina pays for that portion of the Carolinian, but it does run every day. Wow, I am so proud of our state right now, just hearing all of that, because what a wonderful way for people to be able to be transported from one place to another and get around our great state and then beyond. So, Bill, when we come back from the break, I want to talk about what it's like for you to be an ambassador. You're kind of living the dream there, and I want to hear more about it. And tell us where we can get more information about Amtrak. There's actually two websites you can check. Uh, One is Amtrak.com, and it's A-M-T-R-A-K, without the C, dot com, and that can give you information about Amtrak. But also there's a state website called ncbytrain.org, which will give you information about train service in North Carolina. Wow. Thank you so much, Bill. And when we come back from the break, I want to hear more about your role with the trains. And I just love the trains. It's a, I love this topic. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Kay. At Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, we put you in the middle of experiencing Asheville like no one else can. With an expert guide by your side, you'll have an all-access pass to what makes Asheville so unique. 
our sense of place, history, and awe, along with great food and drinks and spectacular views. We follow safety protocols on every tour. Come experience why TripAdvisor awarded our company the 2020 Traveler's Choice Award, placing us in the top 10% of attractions worldwide. To learn more about us and our award-winning tours, visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words... Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with my guest, Bill McClement. And Bill is talking about trains and rails and Amtrak. And Bill, it is such a pleasure to have you on Speaking of Travel. Uh, my pleasure, Marilyn. Um, it's certainly something I enjoy and I'm glad to share it with your listeners. Well, Bill, before the break, we were talking about North Carolina and how they were that Amtrak is a state sponsored system. And I just never knew that. Give us a little bit more information about how that actually works. Actually, Amtrak has partnerships with a number of states, and the level of service each state gets depends on their contributions to the system. Amtrak can provide some basic service around the country, but unless states step up to the plate and offer some as well, they can get more service uh, with that. Some states like North Carolina and also Virginia, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Illinois, and a lot of other states uh, do have partnerships with Amtrak. And they're not all the same partnerships. Some of them work in some ways and some work uh, in other ways. North Carolina's partnership, in addition to the funding of the Carolinian uh, within the state borders, while it runs on that daily trip between New York and Charlotte, there's also another service called Piedmont Service. And that's a unique service because the state of North Carolina actually owns a, a, a number of locomotives and rail cars, and they're not painted in regular Amtrak colors. They're actually painted in North Carolina colors. The, each uh, each uh, rail car has a, a blue paint job on the front with large NC on it, and, and the locomotives all have names. Uh, believe it or not, one of the locomotives is called City of Asheville, even though um, getting service to Asheville may uh, take a lot longer to get because of uh, a lot of cost consideration. But also the rail cars are named after sites in North Carolina, like uh, the Curatuck Sound and, and some other parts of, uh, of the, uh, the state. And that's, that's the, the Piedmont service runs solely between uh, Charlotte and Raleigh and Raleigh and Charlotte. And there's seven stops in between. A lot of those same stops that I mentioned along the route that the Carolinian takes. And the Piedmont service runs Currently, because of the pandemic, two round trips per day, but beginning April 5th, that's going to return to its normal level of three round trips per day. And again, there a lot of people are using that train for business and also school groups going to visit museums in Raleigh and Charlotte and some other points in between. Greensboro is another big stop uh, for the Piedmont and Carolinian service. And that whole corridor, which is 173 miles long between Charlotte and Raleigh, um, has plenty of service for people right within the center part of North Carolina uh, to to uh, uh, travel to parts of the state. They can do day trips to uh, places like Raleigh and then come back. 
Now, you can't do that from Asheville, but uh, there are some places along the route where you can catch the train and, um, and, and, and enjoy travel on Amtrak service, whether it be on the Piedmont trains, which are owned by the state of North Carolina and operated by Amtrak, or the Amtrak equipment uh, for trains like the Carolinian and also the long-distance trains that I mentioned earlier that come through the state. In terms of passenger boarding, uh, North Carolina has, uh, is actually approaching a million passengers a year. This is pre-pandemic. There were a total of, I think, 939,000 people boarded trains in North Carolina for the previous fiscal year prior to this last one, uh, which was affected by the pandemic. And those numbers have been going up. And uh, we've been seeing good passenger numbers uh, in the state of North Carolina. Well, Bill, that all sounds wonderful and so easy. I know, I, like I said, just being able to drive someplace, pick up the train, and then go take off is really amazing. So what would it be like to get on the train and eat? Give us a little bit of an idea of what the <laughs> food is like on the train. Actually, you know, the food is... Um is also uh, there have been some changes because of covid they have fewer items uh, there is no dining car um, on the train anymore that's that was that actually was uh, kind of done away with even before the pandemic but there is a cafe uh, lounge car now currently during covid precautions you have to make your purchases cashless uh cards only uh, in the cafe car, and you have to return to your seats uh, to eat and drink uh, your beverages and, 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 uh, and your food. But when things return to more normal, the cafe car does have some tables and, uh, and seats in them, and people can go back there and eat in the seats in the cafe car. Um, and basically, it's not four-course dining by any stretch of the imagination. It's hamburgers, cheeseburgers, pizzas, sandwiches, um, and snacks, uh, chips and, and beverages, hot coffee, sodas, juices, things like that. Oh, well, that just sounds like my kind of comfort food. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like being on the train with that, you know, going back and forth and back. You're just kind of lulled to sleep. It is, you know, you're rocking. What is it like for you being an ambassador on uh, Amtrak, Bill? Well, the North Carolina Train Host Association, uh, and we're all volunteers, um, is a group of about 150 of us. Uh, many of us are either retired or semi-retired, but there are some people that, uh, you know, work full-time jobs and still uh, take the time to uh, to uh, work as a, as a train host. And it, it can be a long day. You basically run a leg of the train one direction and a leg of the train back. And that's, the, you know, that can be, a, uh, it can be an awful long day. But we answer questions and interact with the passengers during their journey. We find out where they're going. Um, not, not cause we're nosy. We're just curious. And, uh, and we offer them uh, advice if they need it on things to do at uh, various stops along the way. And also, uh, assist the train crew if necessary, or if they ask us to. And, uh, we, we kind of, see our role as just being uh, goodwill ambassadors and we ride the train within North Carolina. Now, for instance, uh, those those of us in the association that live on the, in the in the middle part of the state or further west, we travel aboard the Carolinian. Uh, I actually board the train in Salisbury and I ride it uh, in the morning all the way over to Rocky Mount. 
uh, in the eastern part of the state, and then I disembark that train because that's the last stop in North Carolina, and I wait in the station for the southbound Carolinian to come back. Unfortunately, that does give you about a three, three-and-a-half-hour um layover time. Uh, so you have to find uh, ways to entertain yourself, uh, whether it's relaxing or, or or going to a local restaurant or, or going to actually the um, recreation center that's uh, right adjacent to the train station. But then I come back on the, uh, the southbound uh, Carolinian and get back into Salisbury around eight o'clock at night. Wow, what a wonderful experience. I'm just I'm so happy that we're having this conversation about the train, and I want to encourage everybody to get more information and consider taking the train next time you're thinking about going someplace. And Bill, tell us again how we can get more information. The easiest thing is Amtrak.com, A-M-T-R-A-K.com, or ncbytrain.org and you'll find out about passenger services that are offered in North Carolina. Asheville is not out of the possibility of getting train service one of these days, but uh, it could take years because of the cost of uh, maintaining and updating the tracks and, uh, you know, uh, working it in with uh, Norfolk Southern, which is the primary freight hauler in this area because they own the tracks. But uh, there is uh, at least the hope that one day that uh, there will be Amtrak service to Asheville uh, one of these years. Well, now you're talking my language. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and do whatever I can to help out. Well, Bill, it's really been great having you on Speaking of Travel, and I'd love to have you back again as the year goes on, and we'll touch base and uh, get an update on what's happening with Amtrak and, and all the train systems. So thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, and happy rails to you. Well, thank you, Bill. And, you know, today it's more important than ever to create a sustainable travel industry by bringing together responsible partnerships to benefit communities and destinations. And RomanticAsheville.com is the most visited travel website for planning a visit to Western North Carolina, and they take that responsibility very seriously. Coming up next is Mark Collins. He's the Partnerships Manager with RomanticAsheville.com, and he's here to talk to us about partnerships and collaboration and why this locally owned and operated resource stands firmly behind the implementation of sustainable tourism practices with all its partners. So stay tuned. Why not make the most of the beautiful winter season and plan your next vacation or staycation to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains? Create your perfect winter wonderland adventure in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Not just for couples, RomanticAsheville.com is a 900-page online guide covering a nearly 100-mile radius around Asheville, North Carolina. There are so many special places and awe-inspiring vistas around nearly every corner. And this is the perfect time to create safe and memorable adventures across Western North Carolina. Visit RomanticAsheville.com today. Buongiorno, this is Mark Smith, president of Private Italy Tours, LTD. For over 15 years, we have had the privilege of sharing some of Italy's most well-known and many less-known places with over 700 satisfied clients. 
We feel very confident that we will all be able to travel to Europe again by the early fall of 2021. When we are finally able to return to Italy, place your trust with an organization of exceptional travel professionals. Join us on one of our small group tours of between 10 and 16 guests, or if you prefer, we offer complete custom itinerary planning services. Deposit specials are available to confirm your place on one of our exceptional tours. Join us in Bella Italia, private-italy.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words... Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. With so many people calling Earth home, creating a cleaner and more sustainable environment might sound like an enormous task, but beginning with our own communities could be a first step in fostering better habits and leaving a legacy to those who come after us. Are you ready to make your community a better place? If your answer is yes, you're not alone. RomanticAsheville.com is the most visited travel website for planning your travel to Western North Carolina, and they take that responsibility very seriously. We are all stewards of this extraordinary wonderland of natural resources, and their legacy is all about leaving this beauty for generations to come. My guest today is Mark Collins. He's the Partnerships Manager with RomanticAsheville.com, and he's going to talk with us about partnerships and collaboration and why this locally owned and operated resource stands firmly behind land, water, and farm conservancy. And Mark, welcome to Speaking of Travel. It is so great to have you here today. Thank you, Marilyn. It's such a pleasure to be on the show with you. I always enjoy a moment to speak with you. Well, thank thank you, Mark. Let's talk a little bit about RomanticAsheville.com. It's been around for a long time. I know when you were here on the show before, it was a time when there was a lot going on. There's there was a transition and now now you're here and ready to get going. Very interesting. We have been around a long time, 18 years, which is longer. We predate Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, all of social media, which is honestly, I think that's amazing in itself. Uh, And it's very exciting. But with that excitement comes a huge responsibility because we are a voice and we're a voice for our partners. It's important that we keep our reputation as shiny as their reputation. We're all in this together. And it's interesting. Often people say to me, but You're working with the competition. I don't see it as competition and we never have. We don't use the word competition. We use the word partnership and that's what it is. We are all partners here and our goal is to enrich what we have here in Western North Carolina and to share it, but to share it responsibly. That's one of the key points. You were talking about conservation and legacy. And those are two words that are dear and close to our heart here at romanticashville.com. You can't really say one without the other. We firmly believe in conservation and education of all of our partners and all the people that work with us here at romanticashville.com, as well as all of our readers. People coming to see 
the abundant nature and the beautiful natural aspect of Western North Carolina. I want their children and their grandchildren to have the same experience. The only way that's going to happen is ensuring we educate people from the get-go to leave no trace behind, follow those tenants to, to make sure that everyone understands that what we have is so essential and so important that if we are not good stewards of it, it goes away. And it goes away in a blink of an eye. I agree. And, and I love the way that the platform is created to, like you were saying, to work together. It's a model that is now more than ever such an important model to follow rather than thinking of competitors that we're thinking of partners. And everybody is on the same page in regard to, as you said, educating, creating healthy and safe environments, which is such an important place to be in, especially right at this time. So Mark, give us an idea. Uh, when you come to romanticashville.com, what will you find there? Well, you will find a variety of partners who offer extraordinarily unique lodging or activities, or the current buzzword is experiential travel, dining opportunities, interesting hiking opportunities, waterfalls, things showcasing our, our natural beauty, planning special events, weddings. Right now, with what is going on with the pandemic and all that is happening in the world, you had talked about a safe Place. Western North Carolina is a safe place. And we are seeing an abundance of people choosing to elope here. It's interesting seeing people switch in midstream. I've seen all of our partners do it because our partners are survivors and they pivot on a dime and they've recreated what it is they're doing and they've made themselves current. And it, it's been an extraordinary exercise. Not easy, but beneficial and important. But where I'm going with this, our readers are pivoting on a dime too. Those that were going to have a big wedding, they're coming here because they still want to be married, but they want to be married in safety in the beauty of these old mountains. And I've seen, I've seen this amazing uptick of folks looking to elope here. And that's, and people planning for later in 21, later in 2022, the big weddings, the return of the bigger events. Family reunions are a big deal right now. All the pent-up travel that did not happen is going to happen. And people are planning, and my partners are planning appropriately by expanding not only their presence on the website, but their, their very own offerings. So it's a very unique time where people are really taking stock, working together, and creating something special. Well, that is such a wonderful way to move forward in this in this new world that we're that we're in right now, and to be able to know that with just one click to romanticashville.com, you will be able to really see everything there is to see and do. Make an itinerary for you and your family to come and have an an adventure and experience, as you said. 
and recognize that these partners are looking out for us. They're making the changes that need to be made to accommodate our safety and our health. And Mark, what better way than uh, having a collaboration of people all coming together to work for that common goal? Marilyn, I so agree with you. And we work so hard to curate a little something for everyone. So there are accommodations to suit every budget. There are activities to suit every desire. It's an amazing place to be. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being on Speaking of Travel and sharing with us all the positive news of the day in regard to travel and tourism here in Western North Carolina. It's always a pleasure. It's my pleasure, Marilyn. Thank you so much. Well, as we look at this time as an opportunity to rethink how the travel industry can support a healthier travel experience, both from a physical and emotional perspective, what will it be like for travelers who are going to be taking to the skies? Coming up next is Tina Kinsey from the Asheville Regional Airport, and she's going to talk about how wellness is becoming more and more important to travelers who are ready to go without the stress of traveling. So stay Stay tuned. Green is good. Local food, less oil. Renewable energy, sustainable peace. Tree hugger. Say no to GMOs. Be kind to animals. Don't eat them. Go solar. Coexist. Don't buy a dog. Rescue one. Keep Asheville weird. We just read the bumper stickers on the back of a Subaru. Welcome to Subiville, Prestige Subaru, on the web at PrestigeSubaru.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words... Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. You know, now more than ever, travelers have further reason to feel confident when they're flying because airports are doing everything possible to ensure your health and safety. And today, I think we can feel more comfortable and safe while we're navigating ourselves through a terminal. We're looking to the airlines and the airports to restore some normalcy and regain our trust in them as safe places. But now is the right time to ask ourselves, how can we help the industry come back stronger? Because, you know, we all play a big role when we start traveling again. And as traveling is beginning to return, how are airport terminals responding and adapting to the new normal and become healthy airports? Well, here to fill us in on how this coordinated approach to foster confidence in aviation is Tina Kinsey. She's the Director of Marketing, PR, and Air Service Development over at the Asheville Regional Airport. And Tina, it is always a pleasure to have you on Speaking of Travel. Thank you, Marilyn. It's always great to be here. So, Tina, I know that the airport has remained open since the very beginning. We're, at, we're going on almost a full year now, an important infrastructure, of course. Give us a little idea of where you are today, where the airports are today in regard to really creating this safe and healthy environment for us when we start traveling again. 
Sure. So we've learned a lot in the last year, just like everyone else has. And uh, learned from each other, learned from CDC guidelines, a lot of really good information out there about ways we can mitigate risk in the airport environment itself. And so we've, uh, as we've talked about before, implemented enhanced cleaning procedures. I think those are here to stay. We are encouraging distancing. We are reorganizing how seating is arranged, uh, you know, in the public spaces, you know, a lot of physical things like that um, and encouraging touchless use of touchless technology. And that is only going to grow and expand um, into the future. So those are some things that we've done through the last year, but we're in a unique position because we are also in a design process to completely renovate and modernize and expand our airport. And so we've got a, we've got a unique opportunity really moving forward because, because of the timing of all of this, we are now thinking as we develop this design we're thinking about this new way of travel and the new things people think about and health and safety measures that we may need to put in place, you know, in the new terminal. So, you know, airports across the country, they're thinking about these things, but when you're about to build new, uh, you've got a great opportunity. It is a great opportunity. I hadn't really thought about that, that this integration of technology can really increase the capacity when you build this new terminal and when you start looking at what is the future of travel in aviation. That's right. That's right. And, you know, we are, we're really learning what's important to travelers. Um, And so it's exciting. You know, we're thinking of ways to continue to push forward and and be on the forward thinking end of things. And we do believe that we've made some great improvements, enhancements, and that that's just going to continue. Well, give me an idea of, uh, let's just, I just want to flush out some of this a little bit. Give me an idea of the image of going to the airport and standing in line and waiting to get up to the counter to check in. Give us an idea of what that is going to look like now to try to avoid crowds that gather at these check-in and boarding areas. Well, really what's going to happen is a continued focus on mobile check-in. And there could be some enhancements made um, as we move forward in terms of maybe you are uh, checking your own bag. Maybe you are tagging your own bag to get it in the queue to go on and get put on the airplane, reducing those moments where you you are having touch points with other people. So those are some possibilities. More space, just how queuing lines are organized, you know, that that will be important as well. So think spaciousness, think touchless technology, just maybe uh, altered ways of doing things. Well, as I said in the beginning, it's a lot of our responsibility as well. You're going to have everything there set up 
And yet it's going to be important for us to kind of think outside our normal box as far as, you know, maybe printing, printing our boarding pass at home. If you even need to have it printed out, it sounds like you can just use your phone. Absolutely. You know, educating travelers that if you have checked in online ahead of coming to the airport and you're not checking luggage, that you don't even need to go to the ticket counter. You can just streamline straight to TSA security screening, you know, and have your mobile boarding pass ready um, and zip right on through, you know, encouraging people to sign up for TSA pre-check because that also reduces potential touch points, uh, you know, and expedites that screening process. So, you know, we're already set up to help people streamline through the process. But, you know, there's a lot of creative ideas out there. Um, One that was really interesting to me, um, we're seeing pilots of this happening at some airports. There are some food and beverage providers who are creating opportunities to order and get your food with, with never really interacting with other people. It's kind of a, it's not really vending, but it's a similar concept, but it's not your typical vending snacks. You know, I'm interested to really dig in and learn a little bit more about that as well. I just love that there's digging in to do and that there's always new things coming out that are just going to make it better and better. Of course, you know, washing our hands, wearing the mask, maintaining our social distance, all of these things are becoming more integrated into our everyday lives. So moving those over to the to the airports and getting on an airplane. So Tina, I know you've got some exciting things coming up at the Asheville Regional Airport. Where can we go to get all the most current information? Just visit our website at flyavl.com and we have a number of ways that you can choose to connect with us, either on social media, on our website itself, or even signing up for our monthly e-newsletter, all right there on the homepage of our website. Well, I just want to give a shout out to your communication because there's once you get signed up on that newsletter and that comes in your inbox, you're automatically like brought up to date. There's always current information. And I just think, especially in these times, how critically important that is. Well, thank you for saying that. And I do want to emphasize we don't over overuse that email list. We send one email a month and we do that on purpose just to make sure we're not being a bother in your inbox, but also so that the information is substantive, you know, meaningful. Absolutely. And and in between that, you can always go to the flyavl.com, get all the current information and all these new flights coming in and out. Very exciting stuff. And Tina, I want to thank you so much, not only for being on Speaking of Travel every week and talking to us about what's happening, but also for everything that you and your team are doing out there at the airport to keep us healthy and safe. Thank you, Marilyn. All right. Well, thank you to Tina and thanks to Bill and Mark for being on Speaking of Travel today. So, okay, if you're feeling kind of stuck, like you're in a slump, I just want you to know that you're not alone. And it can be hard to break away from the monotony of all these things that are virtual. So let's start thinking, where is the first place you want to go when you can get out and about again? Well, I'm sure your answers are wide ranging, but probably include simple things like visiting your family, 
getting a real haircut, or maybe enjoying live music and other type of big events. We might not appreciate what we have until it's gone. Like freedom, when you have it, maybe you just don't notice it that much. So with this COVID vaccine program underway, we're beginning to have hope that it won't be long before we have something like normal in our future. And now is the time to begin thinking about what we're going to do when all these restrictions are eased up. I know I'm really looking forward to the return of spontaneity. It seems everything takes so much planning these days. I really can't wait to get out and meet a friend maybe for a last minute uh, get together. So as we wait to learn how and when we can get out again safely, what are the things you most look forward to doing and keeping going when you can get out and about? This is a once in a lifetime opportunity to find comfort in this new norm. Patience and flexibility are really important. My wish for you this week is that you will find some peace in the chaos and learn something new about yourself and the world we live in. Because remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. 